You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our senior pastor, Jeremy Havlin. It's great to be with you guys this morning. Um, We're starting a brand new series called, the name of the series is Called by God. And we're talking about being able to follow God as he calls us. Every one of us, if you've made a decision, actually all of us are called. And if you've not made a decision to follow Jesus, he invites you to know him and to make that decision. But those of us who have made the decision to believe in Christ, to want to follow him, he calls all of us to serve him in some way, shape, or form. We're called by him to do things with him and to do things for him. And so we are called by God. And this is the series that we're going to be talking about. And uh, I want to actually do something here. We have Jason, who didn't he do an amazing job the last two weeks here at the church. want to honor him for a second. Jason, and you, if you're new here, you may not know this, but Jason wrote a book called Worth No Less, and it's an amazing book. And I would encourage you, if you haven't read this, you can purchase the book. Now, before you send me an email, I want you to know all of the profits of this book Um, go to two ministries. It goes to Next Steps Today and it goes to House of Hope. So Jason is making zero money off the book Worth No Less. But this is an amazing book talking about how no one is worth less, that God is able to use all of us in this room. You can actually go to the connections table. There's some books back there. I have no idea what the process is for buying one. All I'm telling you is that it's available. I'm also pretty sure you can order one on Amazon. But the book Worth No Less, it's an incredible book. It's a little bit, I just, really awesome read. I encourage you if you haven't to be able to read it. I know a lot of people been encouraged by that. But essentially in that book, we're going to be talking about, there's things that we're going to be talking about in this series, how all of us are called and we're not worth less. And that's what this series ultimately is about. Uh, Dean mentioned this, but House of Hope sale back there, uh, amazing ministry. And I know where we are, you can look at the packaging, you can look at the jewelry, you can look at the accessories, the different things that maybe you could get for your house. There's potato bags that go in microwaves. And I know for us, oh, look, you know, it's kind of cool stuff. I have been where the ladies are when they receive their paychecks from the items being sold here in the States. And what you may not see, and if you get a chance to go on a mission trip, maybe you will see, but what I have seen many times is what a life-altering thing that can be for a lot of those women. So I just encourage you, listen, it's more than just jewelry back there. It's a lot of people who, who are getting out of a situation and trying to move their family, change the legacy of what God wants to do into something else. And so it's an amazing thing. And then Saturday, again, the House of Hope event, raising money for um, young, actually for a girl's home. And so it's gonna be really cool what God is doing um, in uh, the different countries that House of Hope ministers. Okay, having said that, before I even share with you the title of my message, I wanna get us all in the same boat. I wanna start off with a a passage of scripture that's a really well-known passage. Philippians chapter four, verse 13, and this is the New King James, and I'm reading it in this because this is what I memorized it in, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So if you wanna be a professional NBA player, declare this verse. And go practice, because that's what this verse means. If you want to regrow hair, declare this verse. Put the verse, I can do all things through Christ. And if you read the context of this verse, basically Paul is saying is this, is I've learned to live in all kinds of situations. Can, I, can we just be real for a moment? Can we just be honest for a second? Sometimes you can read a verse and the verse can feel distant from where we are. So you can read a verse like, I can do all things through Christ, and that's a powerful verse, and it's God's word, and it's nice, but that verse can feel like it's way over there where I am right here. 
And it feels like that verse is for other people who seem to have it going better. And then when we look at our life and where we are and what we navigate through and what we're dealing with, it can feel like there's a gap between what that verse says and how we are engaging in the world around us. And that gap can be difficult to navigate through. Yes, God can do all things to give us the strength that we need to navigate through the things that we face. That's absolutely true. But again, I can feel like there's a distance sometimes between those. I have two thoughts I wanna share with you. And then I'm actually gonna get to the title of the message. Don't worry, don't be scared. The title of the message is a little bit further in here. So, but anyway, we were joking earlier because Jason finished five minutes last week. And so they were reminding me, he finished early five minutes. So pastor, anyway, all right. Two thoughts, ready? Here's the first thought. A lot of us in this room, when we're thinking about the future, it's normal to focus on what we want tomorrow to look like. We expend a lot of energy on what we want. And by the way, it's normal and even good in a lot of ways. The Bible talks about being wise, thinking about tomorrow. It's wisdom is an important part of this, but how much of our thoughts are focused on trying to move things in the future to have the outcomes that we want them to have? Let me give you a silly and ridiculous example in our life, okay? For years, something about the Havlin family, we have three kids, my wife and I, and something about the Havlin family is we love ice. And just love ice. We, have, we love ice as a family. My daughter in particular loves ice. It's just a thing. Our, our, the ice machine in our fridge broke, and so over Christmas, because it got really cold, and it broke the, the water maker in our fridge, and we didn't have ice for a couple of weeks, and, and it was just like the apocalypse in our house. We love ice. And... I discovered you can buy just ice machines for your house. They don't have to be outrageously expensive. And specifically, I love the nugget ice, the kind that you get from Chick-fil-A. Like if you get a lemonade and it has a little nugget ice in there, that stuff is like my favorite. So they have a nugget ice machine. Now, for a couple of years, I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. And so our ice machine breaks over Christmas, apocalypse hit, happened. So finally, just a couple of weeks ago, my wife and I are on there and I'm like, on eBay, there's a nugget ice machine and it's like, a really good sale. I'm like, this is a couple hundred dollars off. So I made the purchase of a nugget ice machine. I'm thinking about the future that I wanna have. And I'm really excited about the nugget ice machine and how it's gonna absolutely change my life. We're gonna have ice coming out of our ears. It's gonna be incredible. Joy abounds in the Havlin house with nugget ice. And so like order it. And you know, when you order something, you're excited about it. So I'm like waiting for it to be shipped. Literally ordered it on a Tuesday. It was sitting on my house on a Wednesday. It was unbelievably fast. And then you do the unboxing portion of it and you get excited about it. You, okay, this is a picture of me with the ice. I mean, just the joy. <laughs> like you have no idea. So, but before the ice machine arrives, I'm thinking about our future and I'm abounding in ice. Like you think about how good it's actually gonna be. By the way, another picture my wife took of me, apparently I was cross-eyed in it. Just. <laughs> You can toggle back and forth there, Andrew. Yeah, right there. That was the, that was the not used version. She's like, you're cross I'm like, what? She's like, yeah. It's making you feel better about yourself today. That's my goal. But in my, it's okay. You're still going, aren't you? Well played, well played. But all of us, we think, man, if this could play out, how good would this be? That's a lot of us. And so we expend so much of our energy and thinking. And by the way, again, there's even wisdom in thinking ahead. I'm not advocating that you don't think ahead. All I'm saying is this, is that it's so unbelievably normal to always be thinking about what the future should be. That's a normal thing. But the problem is, is that have you ever like 
thought about how things should be, and then you actually get the thing that you think that is gonna make you happy, and then you realize it's just different than what you thought. Like, think about this. When you're single, you think to yourself, man, when I get married, I'm gonna be happy. Anyone? And then you get married, you're like, holy cow. <laughs> we, we have these thoughts in our minds where it's like, man, if the thing that I've been wishing, and then the thing is, is that if it actually happens, it doesn't always turn out exactly the way you think it is. I read tons of reviews about Stupid Nugget Ice Machines, but no one put a review on there about how much you have to descale the water. Now I have a coffee machine. You have to descale the, the coffee machine. Every couple of months you have to descale it. I get my ice machine and it tells you you have to descale it once a week. I'm like, are you kidding me? Once a week and the descaling process. I was like, just pour something in there, run it. No. You have to empty out the old stuff, you have to put in the descaling stuff, and then you have to run it three separate times, then you have to leave it overnight for 18 hours, then you have to run it again. Let me show you a picture of me working on my stupid ice machine. <laughs> no one told me. No one told me. So in my mind I have these ideas of unbelievable amounts of joy of nugget ice, not a single review was like, hey, by the way, you just married a, a device in your home. It's a relationship, because once a week, and by the way, it has an app. All that app does is tell you, descale it now. It's the most, <laughs> we think about the things how we want them to be. And then oftentimes, in our imagination, reality doesn't measure up to what we thought it could be. So, so, so we spend a lot of energy focusing on the future. Let me give you another thought, ready? This is just a normal thought. It's easy to feel stuck in, in the moment. If I was sitting with a lot of us in this room and got a chance to sit down with you, you're either spending a lot of your energy focusing on a future that you hope pans out or you're spending a lot of energy worried about today. And a lot of us can fall in, these, in, in both of these camps. Because we feel stuck, we think about, we wish upon a star. This is a natural and normal emotion. For the last several years, I have been doing a really good job at exercising and quasi being careful with what I eat, except for on Easter Sunday where I had three Kit Kats in a row on that day. But in the last year, I've stopped going to the gym. The stress of two lo church locations and navigating, and I just didn't feel like I had the margin for that. And Gail, let, let, me, let me show you how much I weigh, just so that you have an idea. I'm just kidding, that's not at all. <laughs> it's not true, even a little bit, yeah. I'm not telling you what I weigh. You guys are ridiculous. <laughs> I know I've only been gone for two weeks, but y'all, listen, just relax a little bit. That's not happening. There are some things between the Lord and myself and the scale. So, but legitimately, I had let go of how I was eating and I did not realize when I stepped on the scale how bad, how bad where I was. I knew my pants were fitting a little bit tighter. I was into sweats a lot more, but I didn't know. So, let me tell you, and let's, just, let's just keep it real for a second, okay? A lot of us, this is the life we live. We either feel stuck where we are in the moment, and then we expend our energy wishing for things to be a certain way in the future. Now think about this. The problem with this for a lot of us in this room is this, and actually it goes along with what worship happened today, ready? We don't know how to be present today because either we're too, we spend all of our energy feeling stuck or we spend all of our energy wishing upon a star. And so we can never stop for a moment and just be present here and now. And here's the thing with God, ready? God is a God of the here and now. 
He's a God of daily bread. He's a God of every morning his mercies are new. So how much do we miss of what God wants to do because mentally and emotionally we feel so disconnected? I bet if I was to spend some time with you, I bet in this room there's a lot of people who feel stuck in a relationship. I bet there's a lot of people who feel stuck. Like, is this how life is supposed to turn out? Because we grew up watching the same shows. Everything has a happy ending. Everything turns out great, except you go in life and things don't go the way that you think they're gonna go. And so we end up being discouraged. And then how do we navigate through this? How do we engage with the world? How do we move forward? Well, the good news for all, and by the way, I know you're not super encouraged right now. I get it. But I want us to be honest because until we're honest, then we can't allow God to work in our life. If we're honest for just a second, mentally and emotionally, we live in these two places a lot. The good news for all of us is this, is that God actually is a God who has good things for us. And here's the good news for all of us in this room, ready? We are all called by God to follow Jesus. What gets us out of always thinking about how things should be in the future? What gets us out of actually always feeling stuck in the moment is a God who comes and says this, don't live life like you have been living it. I have a different way of living, a different way of thinking, a different way of navigating this world, and if you follow me, if you're willing to trust me, I will show you a different way to live. And when we follow Jesus, he tells us it's not about us. And when we follow Jesus, he shows us things that we miss and lack in other areas. And when we follow Jesus, we discover that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. The reason why sometimes that verse can feel distant, do you know why? Is because we tend to rely on ourselves for a lot of the things that we do. But when we begin to follow God, when we begin to follow Jesus, when we begin to allow him into our life, then God begins to transform again the way we think, transform the way we live, and move us into a healthier and different direction. The question is this, how do we follow Jesus? Here's the title of the message for today, ready? How do we follow God? Well, we follow God one step at a time. The good thing about God is that he doesn't lead in leaps, he leads in steps. And so we follow him in steps and we're able to follow God one step at a time. And what I wanna do is actually take us to a passage of scripture. It's in Matthew chapter 14. It's the moment where Jesus walks on water. And to me, this has unbelievably, uh, it's just a beautiful story. And to me in my life has had a profound impact. So, before we start reading, I actually wanna give you some cultural context, okay? In Jesus' day, there were many rabbis or teachers, and it was common and normal for these teachers to be upstanding members of the community. It was normal for rabbis to have disciples. Disciples were people who followed intently their teacher. Now, in the Talmud, which is a Jewish writing, it says this, describing the relationship between the rabbi and the disciple, it would say this, the disciple wants to be bathed in the dust of his rabbi. Meaning that if you were a disciple of a rabbi in Jesus' time, that whatever the rabbi did, you would wanna do and follow accordingly. And in Jesus' culture, by the way, just some nerdy Bible stuff. In Jesus' day and culture, when you were a kid and growing up, when you went to school, the first time that you would go to school, they would have a jar of honey and they would dip their hands into it and, and have the kids taste some honey and they would see God's word is like honey. 
And so you would taste the honey and it would be like, this is what we're gonna learn. And in Jesus' day, all the kids would gather around and do you know what they did for school? They memorized the Old Testament, the Torah. They memorized the Bible. They knew it and they would study it and they would learn it. And so kids were learning this. And then roughly, by the way, at the age of 11 and 12, they would go in and they would be uh, uh, tested on their knowledge of scripture And based on how they did on that test or knowledge of scripture, they would either continue on in their learning or they would be told, hey, go home and ply your trade. Interesting little story in the Bible. That's why Jesus, when his parents lose him, they wonder where he is. He's at the temple, he's being questioned. And it says this, they were amazed at the knowledge that Jesus had because he's being questioned. And so what would happen in Jesus's day, just some context is this, a rabbi if they were tested at the age of 12 and they knew and knew scripture well, then they would continue on in their learning and then at the age of 30, then they would become rabbis and then rabbis would have disciples. So Jesus starts his ministry at the age of 30. And by the way, the disciples were the ones who did really, really well. And if they didn't do well, then, then they would have been told to go home and ply your trade. So Jesus becomes a rabbi. And who does he go after? He doesn't go after the students who did well in school. He goes after all the ones who were told, go home and ply your trade. Go be a fisherman. Go be a, a, you know, the, the trades that they, they occupied. He would tell them that and they would encourage that. So Jesus went to those men. Here's the deal. When the disciple became a follower of a rabbi, everything the rabbi would do, the disciple felt they had to be able to do it along with their rabbi. This matters. Now imagine if you're a disciple of Jesus and he's doing all of these miracles, what that does for you. So this context is significant because of the story that we're gonna read. Here you have his disciples. So we're gonna start reading in verse 22 of Matthew chapter 14. After that little bit of context, ready? Here it is, ready? Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. By the way, he just finished feeding the 5,000. Outside of the resurrection, the only miracle that occurred in all four gospels. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But by the way, God, Jesus himself spent time with his father alone. I think it's just, and you see this over and over again. I think it's beautiful. Verse 24. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I had a chance to go to Israel in 2018. I got a chance to be on the Sea of Galilee. It's surrounded by these mountains. And you could actually venture out into the boat in the sea and not see a storm. And then in the middle, just like that, clouds can come over the horizon and you can be whipped up by waves. You had no weather channel app to be able to follow. You were looking at the sky and trying to figure out how things were gonna go. So that's what's going on. Storm came up, waves were hitting, and it became a thing. The fourth watch of the night, he came walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. They cried out in fear. By the way, this is like a scary movie. I mean, this is one of those, you're out on a boat, you feel like you're dying, and then in the middle of all of it, all of a sudden, someone's walking on the water and you become more terrified by what's walking towards you because no one should be able to be walking on water. You become more terrified by that. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to you on the water. 
Remember, disciples, if they saw their rabbi doing something, then they themselves felt like they should be able to be with their rabbi. If the rabbi's walking on water, something instinctive inside of a disciple would say, well, then I can also be walking on water. So that's what's happening here. And he said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. He began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took a hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. So let's, here's why this has been an important lesson for me. My whole life and I've heard this preached and this is certainly accurate for sure is that when Peter gets out of the boat, what happens is this, is that he gets scared because he sees the wind and the waves and so he takes his eyes off of Jesus and in taking his eyes off of Jesus, he, he's like, what the heck is happening? The fear leads into his heart and then he begins to sink in the water, then Jesus rescues him. That certainly is true. He took his eyes off of Jesus. But Jesus asked this question of Peter. Why did you lose faith? Now here's the crux of what I want you to see. This is why this has been a huge deal for me. Peter never lost the faith that Jesus could walk on water. It was never something in his mind that he doubted, well, Jesus can do it. And for a lot of us in this room, I would say that we can all believe that God can do what God can do. We have the faith to trust that God is able to. Okay, God wants to do this, God is able to. We trust that God is able to do the things that only God can do. Peter finds himself walking on water and he begins to lose faith. Here's what Peter begins to realize. I can't walk on water. What am I doing out here? I'm a fisherman, I'm supposed to stay in boats. Jesus can walk on water, he's able to do it. What the heck went into my mind to tell me that I can actually do this? What I have come to realize is this. All of us can have the faith to trust God, but what we wrestle is when God wants to use us to step out of the boat to do something, that's when our faith goes How many times has God asked us to do something? Our first instinct is, God, you got the wrong person. God, you you picked the wrong person. You picked the wrong individual. You should have found somebody else to do this. And this is where we begin to lose our faith. Not in believing that God is able, we begin to lose our faith in believing that God is able to use us. And so as a result, we're filled with a bunch of people who wander around living their life not entering into and becoming the men and women that God has asked all of us to be because somewhere we think that God got it right for other people, but God doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to us. And we wrestle with either pride or insecurity and really pride is just insecurity and they go hand in hand anyway. Imagine for all of us who are in this world imagining this future of what we think things wanna be, Imagine if we begin to actually trust God and follow God, and the disciples did that. They left everything to follow Jesus. Not in believing God can you, our faith is gonna be tested in trusting can you in me. And this is the heart of the issue of called by God. Because I believe in this room, there, are unbe- there, is, there is ministries in this room that, that haven't started yet because God has placed something inside of you and you've been saying no. There are things that God wants to do through you in this room that, or maybe you've taken a step forward, but maybe you said not, like whatever it might be, you are, all of us are called by God to do something significant. Now let me just give you a little bit of heads up in my life because I think this matters. We tend to think of other people and assume that yeah, of course it makes sense that God would wanna use them. The reason why this passage of scripture is significant to me is because this, I have been in ministry full time for 20 years and let me tell you something, I have never, never, ever felt ready for the thing that God called me into, ever. Whenever God said, hey, do this, I've never been like, oh, I'm ready for it. 
I remember when I graduated school, I was studying missions. That was my degree. I thought I was gonna be a missionary. God opened up the door for me to come to Greenville, South Carolina. I'd never heard of Greenville, South Carolina. I come to Greenville, South Carolina to be a youth pastor in a startup church. I was the first youth pastor. I studied missions. I thought I was gonna go into the mission field until God said, no, you're not ready to go yet. Serve in my church in the States. The church was new, the church couldn't pay me, and so the church said, hey, listen, get other jobs and you be the youth pastor. I said, okay. I showed up, my dad dropped, I didn't have a car, by the way. Dropped me off in Greenville, South Carolina to live in the pastor's house of a startup church that had 50 people and had no youth group before I came. And my dad dropped me off in the car. I arrived on a Thursday. That Thursday night, they planned to have all the youth group kids together so I could meet them. On the first night that I arrived, all four kids in the church. We went putt-putt at Frankie's. And do you know what was going on in my mind when I first became a youth pastor? I have no idea what I'm doing. Why am I here? How did this happen? I had no, no one gave me, I, I felt completely unready. I had no idea. And I'm telling you, I was unready. I'm like, what am I doing? But here's the thing. Feeling unready only means that you trust and depend on the one who's able to do the things that he's asked you to do. So, I, okay, God, I'm gonna launch. So I started a youth group and I started doing it. Listen, it was rough for a while there. I preached, listen, you think I, I preached some, some doozies. I mean, I talked fast. I was like a machine gun fire. I don't know how the kids... I don't know anything. Listen, one night we had a small youth group. One of the kids didn't show. I'm like, well, if they're not gonna come here, I'm gonna go to them. I packed up all the kids. I don't know what's going on with my voice. Hold on a second. <clears throat> That's okay, babe. It's fine. Just that real quick. I packed up all of our kids because the kid didn't show up and I went to this kid's house and I'm like, listen, if you're not gonna come to church, we're gonna have church with you because that's, that's how few kids we had. We knocked on the door. He's just chilling, watching TV. We got out folding chairs. We walked in. We're like, we're doing, by the way, his mom was all about it. I'm like, listen, we're bringing church to you. Every little kid mattered. So I had no idea what I was doing. I never, ever, ever felt ready. And then my wife and I meet at church as the church began to grow. The church couldn't pay me for two years. Eventually the church was able to hire me. I was, by the way, my first job was Lou's Chinese Bistro off Woodruff when it first opened. That, I was serving in a restaurant. Then I worked at an after, after school care program, picking up kids, because the church couldn't pay me, but I knew what God had asked me to do was be a youth pastor. And then I, ha, I worked, at a shoe, I worked at a, as a manager of a shoe store. That was my job. That was great, because when it wasn't busy, I could work on church stuff. I mean, and so I did these other jobs so that I could actually serve in the church. The church couldn't pay me for two. My first vacation in two years, I had to get approval from two bosses, the shoe company and my pastor boss. I mean, and so I'm serving. My point is, is I never, ever felt ready. Then I remember my wife and I get married and I remember specifically, I was leading mission trips to Nicaragua. And while I'm on Nicaragua, I felt as clear as day, God give me a plan for a missions program of what we could do down there. And I go back and I write the plan down and I come back to the States. I go to the pastor of the church that I'm serving in and I said, I think God's asking us to do this. And you know what? I thought he was gonna be like, yeah, no, that's not good. He said, no, this is absolutely good. The timing is the Lord, let's do this. My wife and I had been married a month and I came home, I said, babe, we're moving overseas. She's like, what? And then for the next two years, you know what we're doing, we're planning and then we move overseas. We, we arrive in Nicaragua on in January and do you know what I said when we arrived in Nicaragua? I said, what the heck am I doing here? I had two other people with me and I'm like, Who, whose stupid idea was it to do this? Like, how did I find myself here? And then in the month that we arrived there, we become pregnant with our first kid. 
In our first year there, we become pregnant. And a completely, and I speak Spanish fluently, I understand other cultures, but I've never lived in Nicaragua myself, and it's a different culture. My wife doesn't even speak Spanish, and we're in a different place. And, and I'm like, who, what is happening? And I remember distinctly feeling like, I'm not ready for this. And then I remember as we're living overseas in Nicaragua, I get invited to become, we're there, we're serving. A pastor that was here in the area, pastor gotten sick. And so he asked me, he said, hey, listen, I wanna invite you to come to serve as interim senior pastor in the States for a couple of months. I said, what? He said, yes, I think it's the Lord for you to come. So my wife and I pray about it. We, we feel the Lord say, hey, Jeremy, I want you to go to the States and serve as the interim senior pastor. It was a church in the area and it had roughly 600 people in the church. So it was not, not a small church. I was 31 years old. I had been serving in the mission thing. I'd seen God do some really cool things in the mission thing. And all of a sudden, God is asking me to fly back to the States to serve as interim senior pastor. Let me show you a picture of me back then. This is my daughter and I. This is that time. And in my prayer time, both my wife and I felt like, okay, I need to come back and serve as interim senior pastor. It didn't make sense to me. So we fly back. Fortunately, someone in the church that we were at had a, had a bunkhouse that we were able to stay at. And for two and a half months, I'm serving as an interim senior pastor in the US in a church. Do you know what I thought when I flew back to the States? I have no idea what I'm doing. And I had to come up with messages and I was in a completely different environment. I just finished leaving Nicaragua and I was still thinking of Nicaragua because I was still responsible for Nicaragua even though I was back in the US and I was 31 years old with my wife and a daughter and I, did, I had no idea what I was doing. None whatsoever. None. And then my wife and I go back to the States and then God opens the door for Renovation Church to launch. And I'll never forget, October of 2014, Renovation Church launches. And do you know what I thought? I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm not ready. You guys catching the theme here? But even though I wasn't, even though I knew in my heart that I have no idea what I'm doing, you know what I believe to the core of my soul? God is able. And if I can just trust him, he can carry it through. So you know what God did in all those environments when I felt like I wasn't ready? I saw God work, I saw God move. I would have never imagined when we launched Renovation Church in October of 2014, that nine, we're gonna celebrate nine years in October, that we would have two locations, have a vision that carries us into the future. And by the way, we have been bursting at the seams at Renovation Church. And the things that God has allowed Renovation Church to experience, and when we launched Renovation Church, do you know what actually helped me be able to say, okay, God, I, 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 I'm gonna trust that you're in this even though I don't feel like I'm ready? That a couple of years before, God had me serve as an interim senior pastor. So here you have Peter, and he's on a boat, and he sees Jesus, and what does Peter do? He says, well, if you're out there, God, come, let me come to you. And by the way, we, Peter gets made fun of a lot. He was the only one to actually get his butt out of the boat. All the other ones are like, yeah, I'm not doing that. They're like, go Peter, Woohoo! Peter's the only one who actually gets out of the boat and begins walking to where Jesus is. And yes, he doesn't look at Jesus and he looks at the wind and the waves, but what really happens is this, I am not made to do this. And here's the thing that I wrestle with, the thing that I wanna challenge you with. How much is God wanting to do in us that we have been saying, God, I don't think this is it, because we wrestle with the fact that God is actually calling us into more. We say, no God, no God, not me, not me. Here's the point is this, he's called you to something. 
He's called you not to live comfortably. Christianity is never meant to be a spectator sport. It's never meant to be something where you just watch and follow at a distance. How you follow God is up and close and personal, right where he is. Now there's two things about this story that I wanna do and, and we're gonna end with this. Ready? What does it mean to be able to follow God? Here's the challenge that I have for you is this. Every one of us has a next step and you're not gonna feel ready. Every one of us has a next step. Something that God is asking us to do Something that God has probably laid on our hearts for a while now. Now, for some of you, that next step, ready, is to wait. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but God has something in front of you, and you're like, well, do I begin to move in that direction? Listen to the voice of God speaking into your life. Sometimes the hardest thing you can do is wait. Sometimes the hardest thing you can do is rest. And for some of you, you're trying to move something forward in your own strength, and God is saying, stop doing it on your own strength, trust in me. Your next step is actually to just wait and see God move. But for some of you, your next step is God has placed something inside of you, a step forward, something that you can engage in and do. Guess what? He's called you into it. It takes faith, ready, to get out of the boat and take the next step. Where we wrestle with faith is not can God do it, where we wrestle with faith is can God do it in me? Because we look at our life and we think, yeah, no, I'm not qualified for this. I'm not ready enough for this. I have felt that feeling my entire 20 years of minute. Here's the last thing is this, ready? So you have to say yes to your next step. But here's the last thing. In this thing, all of us are challenged to change the way we think. When it comes to following Jesus with whatever next step we have in front of us, for some of you, it's to engage maybe at your work in a way that you haven't before. For some of you, maybe it's actually to launch a Bible study that you've not, that maybe the Lord has pushed in your heart. For some of you, who knows, it's to, to serve in a certain capacity. Either way, all of us have a next step. But do you know what God begins to do as we begin to take steps out forward in directions? Do you know what God does? He begins to change us. This begins to change. This begins to change. And it changes significantly. So, in our backyard at our house in Fountain Inn, my wife and I, we did some work in our backyard last year. And one of the things that we noticed, we have this line of uh, bushes. I don't even know what they are, what they're called. But we have this whole line that separates us between us and our neighbor's yard. And half of them are really healthy and strong. I'll show you a picture of the healthy ones. And so those are growing, they're great, everything's great. But we noticed that we have another a half and they're right next to each other that's not as healthy and strong that had been dying and not doing well. And so I'm like, well, what do we do? Do we take out the bad ones and then try and plant good ones in there? What do we try and do? And then I'm like, I bet they have people who can kind of help with this. Sure enough, they do. Tree doctors. They come and they whisper to your tree, sweet things. And then the trees begin to, legit, there's tree doctors. So I'm like, I found one on Greenville area. I'm like, ah, all right. He comes out, I'm like, hey, listen, they're dying. He's like, yeah, they're dying. I thought they were diseased. So he's like, no, they're not diseased. He goes, it's just that, They've been stressed out. I'm like, they've been stressed? I'm like, all right. Then he counts, what's going on here? So he's like, no. He goes, what I'll do is I can come in and I will inject the root system of this to bring life back into this. So in this last spring that we're dying begin to come back to life. In order to fix it, he didn't just get rid of things. You know what he did? He changed what was going into the roots of their life. Here's the thing. As you take steps forward to be able to follow God, you know what the very, you know what God does? He changes the way you think. And here's the thing, he changes the way you think about yourself. He tells you, I believe in you. You are called to more. How many times as Christians do we stay in the shadows because we think, no, that's for somebody else. 
No, we are all called by God to do something for God, to do something with God. And this is the thing, to take a step out of the boat. And what God does is as we take that step forward, we begin to realize, okay, God's with me. Even though I've never been ready, I can tell you this, I have seen God move and work. And my challenge for you in this series of Called by God is this, is that the way you think about God and about yourself would be transformed, that you would realize that you're worth no less, you're called into more, and that God has a plan for your life. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building His kingdom at therenovation.church.